Matt McConkie, how are you? Oh, big day, Dave Holmes. Alan Huge. coming is Dear here. Dear God. Holy. And we are all abuzz. We have recorded the interview already. We were both just, I mean. I God. was in a fugue state. I blacked out. I don't even know what truly, I was. Truly, truly. You hear that that Scottish burr. You see that that gorgeous face. You 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 experience the full Alan Cumming, like sexy, a little bit, a little bit like devious in a good way, a little little yes. impish. He's just somebody that you want to hang out with. I I'm such a fan. He was when we first decided to do this show, and we drew up like a, a list of people who we would like. In an ideal world, we would get guests on the level of this. He was uh, near the top of that list. That's right. Only took us four years. Only took us four years. And boy, did he deliver. His new book is called Baggage, Tales from a Fully Packed Life. It comes out on October 26th. Pre-order it now wherever you get your books. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's going to be a, a hilarious and, uh, and, and, and moving read. Yeah. So get God. on it. Dave, yes. I wanted to um, just tell you quickly before we jump in. I, you know, yes. I was in. I've already talked about this when I, I, I had the Salt Lake adventure with yes. uh, Michael and Casey and Danielle. And where um, do we see it? Where do we hear it? I, 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 I'm sure it will be. There will be content from it rolling out on Bitch Sesh or through the Bitch Sesh channels. But what I wanted to mention specifically was. When we were there, somebody said my last name. I don't remember why. We were with a former Mormon whose jaw dropped when she heard my name. And I was like, what is this? And she goes, you're a McConkie? And I said, yeah. You mean like of the the McConkie Auto Parts Dynasty of Waverly, Ohio? Yes, that's me. I didn't know this, but the McConkies are like basically Mormon royalty. Stop because it. and I have no Mormon. I mean, my 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 adoptive family, the McConkies. I have no connection to the Mormons that I am aware of. But there was somebody named Bruce McConkie who was like one of the twelve apostles or something. I don't understand anything about the history of Mormonism, but he was a big deal. He was son-in-law of Joseph Smith, the 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 golden underwear guy or whatever he was. That's as, that um, is as close to royalty as you can get. And, you know, of course, he had nine children. Each of them had nine children. So there are McConkies everywhere in the Salt Lake area. And they're all, I, I think, probably super wealthy, influential in the Mormon church, all of that stuff. And I did start to think like our hotel reservation was under my name. And I really did feel like we were getting excellent treatment at this place. And I kind of think that that might be why they thought that they had like a Kennedy basically staying with them. Anyway, Matt. come to find out that those McConkies spell it M C C O N K I E, which is like okay. I may, they somehow managed to take a very ugly name and make it even uglier, as only I the Mormons think it's a lovely can name, do. But your spelling, it's not, and that's so, so sweet of you. And anyway, I bring it all up because I had right before this conversation happened, have been really genuinely, I always hated my last name. I, I mean, the, 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 the donkey of it all, the honk of it all is just, it's not, it's not a pleasant sound or feeling. It and is the cutest fucking I, name. I, 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 thank you. I'm not even fishing for that. It's just simply what it is. But 
you know, when I was 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 uh, chasing my tail trying to be an actor and I joined SAG, I genuinely thought about changing it then, having a stage name. I didn't do it and I always regretted it. Yeah. And now I'm getting married and I thought, what if, would this be so grossly like heteronormative of me if I changed my last name to Michael's last name? So I would be Matt Grassy. Matt Grassy. Which... I think's got a, a ring to it. It does. It's nice, but you're not Matt Grassy. You're Matt McConkey. You oh. you are. That is who you are. It is. Well, it is a name with character. It is. It is an adorable name. It is. It is a name for uh, for a genius and a heart. It is. You are. You are fully a Matt McConkey. And you're just gonna have to learn to love it. As the world does. I've, you know, been on this earth for, what, 27 years, and I haven't mm-hmm. learned to love mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did, I did, I did, I did pause, I'll admit, when I okay. learned how powerful my my last name could be in yeah. the Salt Lake area. That is the, that's the adjustment that needs to be made. You need to stretch into the full power of your name. Well, the other catch is, as Michael reminded me, Grassy, as much as I love that last name, does in Italian literally translate to fats? Oh, uh, which is Grassi. there's certainly okay. nothing wrong with that, but it's no, not, it's not, it's not necessarily what we're, what we're what we're aiming for. But like literally, if you look at the back of a nutrition label in Italy, it's a, it gives you the grassy content, uh-huh, and so uh-huh. and it, it already it, grassy is fats plural. So if we were the grassies, we'd be the fatses. The fatses, but it's healthy fats. I'd like to think so. Like not like, yeah, nuts and fish and stuff. Uh, can you talk me through some of the names that you were considering when you were considering taking on a stage? Um, name? Well, my middle name is Thomas. And I thought, what if I that that felt to me like the maybe an authentic way to do it, just dropping the last name and just being Matthew Thomas. Uh-huh. And the other one was changing it to my mom's maiden name, which is Moxley. So it would have been Matt Moxley. Matt Moxley is a Which I name. also like the sound of, you know, to to change to one of those now makes no sense at all. Yeah. But uh, it did feel like I've got this window with the wedding coming up. I could do it. Michael's on board. And even with the fats of it all, I, 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 I love that last name. So what if you were both to change your last names to Moxley? It's change for wow. both of you. Matt but Moxley less heteronormative. Moxley. Matt and Michael Moxley. I would go to that dinner party. Moxley does have, uh, yeah, and and it would be a nice homage to my mom. Well, yeah. I'll pitch it to Michael. Okay, give it a give it a try, or go to Salt Lake City and insinuate yourself into Mormon royalty. That's probably what I'm going to do. I think that's what you should do. I mean, I, I'm I'm you know you're tipping your hand talking about it into a microphone. But I think it could be the crime of the century. We do have a big Mormon population listening to homophilia. True. Well, do it. Well, look, the, to be continued, but... Uh, I bet there are Mormons listening right now. I bet there, there are probably some. Maybe there might even be right some McConkies listening for all we know. But Great. Listen. Look. Come out. I'm sure that... We, I'll, I'll keep everybody posted on this journey, but uh, for now... Nobody's got a better last name than Alan Cumming. Alan Cumming, uh, he's Sandy Frank. He's he's Eli Gold. He's the master of ceremonies. He's got a perfume. He's got a new book out. And he's just got stories for days and attitude and style and verve. We're in love. 
It's Alan Cumming. That's right. There he is in <laughs> in an elegant study of some kind. Exactly. It's my study. Beautiful. Well, listener, uh, we're getting the 360 view of this it gorgeous is room. room porn. <laughs> oh my goodness. Alan, how are you? Pretty good. Thank you. I'm, uh, I had a bit of a busy day and I'm, uh, I've actually been, uh, you know, I've, I've, uh, since the pandemic, I've been kind of living much more in the countryside in my yeah. house in the Catskills. And I feel I've sort of changed. My husband and I sort of feel as we're sort of country gents now who come to town rather yeah. than sort of townies who go to the country for weekends. And so this is the longest, this last few weeks is the longest stretch I've had in, in New York City for a while. And I'm dying. We're going tomorrow. I'm, oh, no, thir- Friday. I'm dying to get back to the the mountains. You're dying to get back. Really? Wow. Even though I've had, a, I've, had a, I've had a great time. But it's also, I feel, I just feel a little uneasy that I, I don't have the option to just walk out and naked into my forest. You know what I mean? Right. Right. I mean, you have the well, option. I mean, you, do, you have the option. I have the option, but that would, I'd be arrested. Yes. Right. I walked out into East Village with my cock. How's the vibe in the East Village right now? Oh, it's so good. I mean, it's, it's funny. I, it's, it feels like nothing has happened aside from the fact that people are wearing masks. Uh, Thankfully, uh, but it's, it feels like, you know, over the last while, when I would come back in and out for little trips to the city, it was last, I remember last summer was so bleak because all these places were closed down. And then after, you know, all the George Floyd protests, it was a very sort of scary atmosphere. And I, I just think it was, uh, it's, it's amazing how it's kind of bounced back and people are, and it's, it's great about how resilient people are. And, but it feels like, you know, like my, my bar club coming, uh, it's, back at full pelt and shows back on again. And it's, it's sort of, it's really lovely actually. And I think I, I, there's other parts of New York of the city that don't feel like that. I think in Midtown a little bit, it still feels a wee bit weird certain parts, but uh, now with Broadway coming back, of course, it'll all, uh, but it's interesting going to different countries and seeing how, what, where people are at different stages with the pandemic. And um, I think we're moving into a, a time when we're all realizing it's going to just be a part of our lives now. We just have yeah. to go on with our lives and deal with that. And, and, you know, mostly uh, the most part of people are vaccinated. It's not such a big deal if you do get it. It's uh, not pleasant, but it's not going to mostly um, kill you. So right. get vaccinated, stupid bitches. Yes, please. You stupid bitches. So and when you're... You stupid bitches. When you're not in this... When you're not in sort of like heavy, um, you know, promotional uh, uh, gear as you are now... And you're in the Catskills. Walk us through a typical day in your life. Well, I mean, my favorite thing is when it's warm enough. I get up, I go downstairs naked, I walk out into the garden, I jump in the I have a pool, I jump in the pool, have a little swim, walk back to the shower that's attached to the deck and have an outdoor shower. I love that. I've, I've actually got an outdoor shower. I've got an outdoor shower here in the city on the roof. I've got a shower on the garden. I oh, love wow. I love showering outside. So I do that. And then, like, I sort of, I usually get up earlier than my man. Uh, and so I, I like that. I have some time at the beginning of the day where it's my time and I kind of, uh, you know, have my cup of, pot of tea and reeds and things like that before the day gets going. And then, you know, I, don't, I go downstairs, I have a room that I, kind of like this, but sort of a country, and these doors open onto a meadow, and I've got a 
piano there and I had desk and I books and stuff like that. And I have a tree house now. I built a tree house. Mm, what goes on in this tree house? What goes on in the tree house? I read in the tree house. There's, okay. And I go to get away from people, but I read, I put all, you know, do you have a thing where all the books, do you have books and you think, oh, this is, I used to have them on the stairs going up to my bedroom, all the books I've bought that I want to read, but I haven't got to yet. Mm, yeah. So I put all those in my treehouse, and I've got one of those hanging chairs, you know, like it's sort of on a hook and it's kind of, you know, it floats about. And I, and then there's a, there's a little stairs in my treehouse going, it's proper treehouse, it's got electricity in it and everything. And you go up the stairs and there's a bed so I can lie down. And I've got, um, I've got like an old telly that plays old VHSs. So I go there. It's a very retro sort of experience. Don't No phones allowed. And there's a little, sometimes I have like, uh, I used to, when I was writing this book, I would um, have drinks. I'd have, invite my husband and dogs up for drinks and snacks on the little deck. But it's it's very much my my uh, getaway place. And the, and the whole thing about reading, it's, it's a really, it's, an, it's a lovely place to just go and read. Yeah, and it wow, seems like it, it being a screen-free area seems key to that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what is your drink of choice in the treehouse? When it's cocktail time or just normal? Yes, when it's cocktail time. I would have. Well, my drink of choice is like vodka. Like I, 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 mm -hmm. I actually had a vodka soda today because it's only the afternoon, but I was doing an interview on telly at Club Coming and they do, you know, they did B-roll of me serving drinks because like the joke is that I, well, it's true, I go behind the bar, I love bartending. So I made this man from CBS this morning a vodka soda and I had to have one as well. So I have a vodka soda or, or, um, or a martini if I'm feeling, I want to kick things off with a bang or some, or some mm -hmm. white wine. But, you know, I like to start the evening off. Like I normally start, when I go out for dinner, I would have a, I'd have a martini first. Mm, sure. Just to oil things up. Just Actually, to oil what, things up. What I do now is I, I say, I say, can I have a, 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 a vodka martini straight up with a twist, uh, no vermouth? So basically I'm asking for a glass of chilled vodka. Yeah, with, cold with just a twist. of vodka. I just do And some, some waiters go, some waiters just go, sure. Some people just go, so that's just vodka. And you're like, yeah, it's okay. Yes. But sort of saying yes. a martini <laughs> seems better than just saying, give me a big, huge glass of vodka. Right, right. What are Listen. your drink? What are your drinks of choice? Uh, I, I'm a tequila soda generally, or a gin martini, a dirty gin martini. Nice. If yeah. I am looking to oil things up, yeah. what about you? And then red Matt? wine. I'm also a, a tequila, all, uh, almost exclusively. That's good, isn't it? You know, tequila is the only alcohol that's an, that's uh, an additive. I mean, like a, an upper sort of. Yeah, yeah. It's it. most most alcohols are sedatives but it's actually right. and i think there is a, i don't know if yeah. there's any truth to this but there is an idea that tequila in its purest form is um maybe the uh, i hate to say healthiest but uh is one of the things that you hear and i just latch on to it and choose yes. to believe it yes no yeah. i've heard that too and then i heard and i heard it's got a lot of it's got more calories but actually it's good kind of sugar apparently that's what right. say. yeah it's healthy it's healthy. It's the least unhealthy. So we'll take it. You know, my doctor, because uh, I've got like, because I have, uh, it's not good for me. To, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not gluten intolerant, but sometimes I have wheaty things and it's bad for your skin. And da, da, da. Anyway, he said to me, you know, if you're going to have a martini, have it with a vodka that's a potato vodka, not a wheat vodka. And I was like, okay, I will do that. And then I just thought it was so hilarious that my actual doctor's telling me what kind of drink to have. 
I just love it. That's a great so solution. I try and have a potato uh, martini or vodka. Yeah. So what VHS tapes are we popping in to the uh, to the vintage television in the treehouse? Well, what it was was, you know, I had loads of VHS and I thought, what the fuck? Nobody, I'm never going to play these. And so I, I, I ditched all the VHSs that I either didn't want or had copies of in DVD or could get easily. And I've kept, so the ones I've got are all the sort of both British and American uh, TV and film things. And uh, and some old things of, of mine that uh, I, I, so it's kind of like, you know, old films that I really like that I don't want to throw away the VHS because it might be the only copy I've, I've got and can't get it again. So, right. you know, a lot, of, a lot of weird shit. Yeah. You know, we're supposed to be in this time uh, beyond scarcity where everything is available somewhere, but like there are certain movies that aren't available on streaming and that have been out of print Know. You know, on DVD, and then it's like, you know, good luck trying to find a VCR to play some old, you know, tape. I know. Actually, there's one film, people keep writing to me about this on Instagram, like I can do something about it, but there's a film I did years ago called Circle of Friends, and I have that on a VHS. That's one of the VHSs in, in the treehouse. We watched it uh, quite recently, and you can't get that, and it's not available. And I think it's partly because of the right, the music rights or something. You know, that sometimes when... yeah films that they haven't i don't know but but it's not you can't get it it's not you can't stream it and do all that stuff uh and i'm not maybe i don't know quite maybe because somebody died blah blah blah. anyway um so yeah it's interesting what you can't get and of course you don't know what you want if you can't get it uh, but exactly. but you saying that made me immediately go oh i must see circle of friends right now <laughs> where is it yeah i must see circle of friends I need do you know when the, the tra- when that came out the trailer was hilarious to me it went um and then the circle of friends became a triangle of love <laughs> and i and I, I said you'd be a square to miss it <laughs> <laughs> It's so good. What, uh, what is uh, what's on the uh, the programming agenda for Club Coming for the next few weeks? What's happening oh, in there? Well, uh, there's lots of different things. Like Mondays, we have sort of different nights, have different personalities, and then there's one-off things here and there. But Mondays is sort of a, called Mondays in the Club with Lance. It's sort of a sing-song. People get up, and it's sort of a curated sing-song. Uh, so you know, sort of curated musical Mondays. Everyone gets up to that. There's a there's, there's a video. Uh, sort of Broadway video jukebox before that. Tuesdays, uh, well, Wednesdays is comedy night. There's sort of a great thing called Cabernet Cabaret, Cat Cohen. Yeah. Tuesdays is, can't remember what happens on Tuesdays. There's, uh, then we've got, oh, oh, Tuesdays is our crafting night. There's a crafting early on. People do crafts. And, and then we also have a, a life drawing class on a Sunday. I, I went and modeled for them, uh, not, not naked. Uh, a couple of weeks, couple of weeks ago, and then on Saturdays we have um, jazz in the evening, and then the House of Cummings, the big dance party, and then there's also a thing called Romeo and Michelle's Tea Dance that my friend uh-huh. Rod uh, Thomas does. He DJs, and it's sort of nineties music. And if you want to request, you go up and you write it on a post-it. Mm, give I it love to it. Him. So yeah, there's like various it. things, and you know, different one-off comedy nights and. Yes, lots of fun stuff. It's really, it's so great. It's all bounced back because I realised when it, when you know, when we had to close for a while last summer, um, and then we weren't able to have shows inside for so long. That uh, you know, it's not just you, you, there's a community that's been created. Both the people who performed there, because I was really worried about them. So many young people who relied on club coming, you know, for income as well as for their sort of output and their and their kind of 
you know, be validated. And then also the audience as well are part of that community. So it was actually really important to stay open just to have people to come and gather, even if we couldn't perform. Just And the idea of community built around a place is really is really lovely, I think. And, and I'm, I'm so glad that that's what we've created there. Yeah, it is the queer space that I have spent my life looking for. Ah, that's Truly. Nice. It's just, it is it is all of the things that I love together. Ah. And Rod Thomas's uh, apartment DJ sets. Oh, do you, do you watch them? Oh, absolutely. And in fact, listener, go to Twitch, get a subscription to Twitch, yeah. go to Bright Light X2. Bright Light, Bright Light, occasional. yes. He's yep. so good. He, uh, yeah, on Saturday afternoons, he just plays from his apartment and it's it's fantastic. He's so great. I've, and he's such he's a so great good. Um, singer as well. You know, I... I, yeah. I well, I'd met him before we met, but then I did a song on one of his rec albums with him, and um, he's so good. And I just think he's got such a great, bubbly, open, positive personality. So funny. Yeah, I love him. He also introduced me to a song that I love that is the worst thing that has ever been recorded, which is uh, No Way, No Way by Vanilla. Are you familiar with it, Alan? No. Cumming? No. Okay, you must request it from him. It is a song whose um, the hook is sampled from Manamana. Manamana. Funny. They turned it into a pop song, a, a, a just post Spice Girls pop song from a band that was so not spicy they're literally called Vanilla. And it is uh it's 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 a it's a war crime, but it's a great song. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well I can't wait to listen to that. Oh you must. Do you have time to watch TV? Yes. Uh, yes I uh well right now I'm watching, I'll tell you what I'm watching, uh, uh, impeachment mm. oh, yeah. thing about, because I'm very friendly with uh, Monica Lewinsky and she's an executive producer on that. And of course, she's a character in it as well. Uh, yeah. I'm fascinated by that, actually. I think it's really interesting to tell that story from the women's point of view, not just Monica, but yeah. Linda Tripp and Sarah Paulson yeah. is fantastic. Linda Tripp. God, and, isn't uh, she great? And, and uh, you know, Paula Jones as well. It's really, I'm really loving that. And I'm also enjoying... Um, the thing with Martin Short and Steve Martin and uh, Selena Gomez, uh, only murders in the building. Yes. You seen that? And that it's kind of a, this hilarious sort of these people in this swanky building in New York, and they're doing a, a doing a, a a podcast about you know sort of a crime podcast. I think it's I'm really fascinated exactly actually about the whole. We live in a time of podcasts, right? Yeah. It's just everyone has a fucking podcast. And I have one. I had two for a while. And it's just this, I love now that we're getting into the sort of post-podcast parody phase where we're parodying an obsession with podcasts and even the podcast form. So I'm quite enjoying that. I also loving Spike Lee's documentary. If you see about, I can't remember the name yeah. of it, but I, I watched one, the first one the other day. Then the next day I ran into Spike at, this, at the opera. And I think that's so fascinating, sort of linking, you know, uh, COVID and the various things that have happened to poverty and to prejudice against people of colour. and It's just um, uh, fascinating. Um, and so, yeah, that's... What else am I watching? Uh, oh, The Morning Show. I'm enjoying that mm -hmm. again. Did you see that? Okay. Of course. That's really interesting. Although, in a funny sort of way, I was talking about today, it was so brilliant in that it just was about this time in television, which is kind of over. The whole, you know, Matt Lowery sort yeah. of little button under your desk. Uh, my favourite 
of all those sort of st- horrible stories of those men in television is the one of Charlie um, Rose. You know, Charlie Rose is the sort of intelligent, you know, I, I, as a person who went on his show uh, and does all these talk shows, it was so nice to go on where you didn't have to, there was no audience. You just chatted. It was kind of intelligent question. It wasn't just regurgitating an anecdote. Uh, anyway, but Charlie Rose used to walk around the offices at PBS naked. He just walked around naked. Can you imagine? And uh, I know. So that so I think the morning show, the first season, was about really brilliantly captured the end of an era. And now I think it's having to find its way in a different way. It's kind of it's in a funny sort of way. As much as I'm enjoying it, yeah, it's not got the sort. It's, it's not. I, I think in a funny sort of way. I wish they just left it at one series, even though I'm really enjoying the second series. And my friend Juliana Margulies has just started in it. Yes. But it's actually something so specific. Has not, it's a thing in America that people, if you do something and it goes well, people do, do it again, do it again. And they, right. they are also in season two kind of forcing us to relive the early months of 2020 as we descended yes. into the hell that we are in, which yes. I don't want to relive. But if I'm going to, I would like to do it with Jennifer Aniston. Right. Yes. So I'm, I'm it's a, in, interesting. I think, you know, I sort of produce things as well. And it's funny. There was a couple of ideas. I, I, I realized that people don't like the people who, you know, give you the money to make things are not giving you the money to make things about COVID. That are, I don't think we're ready yet as a culture to be self-reflective about COVID. And there's, there's very few. I saw that thing with uh, advertised Jodie Comer on it. But she's playing a nurse, and the, the morning show is touching on it. But it sort of seems quite tangential at the moment. But I don't, I don't think we're ready to. It was like with nine eleven. It was years before there was sort of any films and stuff about about that. And I think that's you know fair enough. So there was a couple of things I was attached to, and they were, and they were like, no, nope. <laughs> yeah, not yet. Don't yeah. want it. Not yet. Es- yeah, escape needs to be escape. Yeah, right I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so before we talk about the book, there is um, one thing I wanted to ask you about, something that I rewatched early on in the pandemic. Um, you know, when interviewing someone like you with this, with such a sort of deep bench of work can be overwhelming because it's, there are so many projects from the past I want to ask about. And that's not yes. why we're here. But so you have to sort of choose one. And mine is the anniversary party. Oh. Um, which I'm sure everyone's seen it, but you, you know, r- wrote and directed and started it with Jennifer Jason Lee. And it's this dream team of Jane Adams and Parker Posey. And you got Phoebe Cates out of retirement and you get to yeah. sort of experience a night of doing Molly with all these people. And um, when you think back on that movie and that time, what jumps out? Um, just sort of how it, this great confluence of things all happened that, you know, it, it, was, it, it was just the timing of it was perfect. We had this script, this idea. We uh, Jennifer had made a dogma film. You know, that's, that was that Swedish sort of Scandinavian kind of thing all these filmmakers made with all these rules, like no makeup, no lighting, no blah, blah. She'd done one of those in Africa and working on digital video meant that she really loved and the freedom of that and the lack of kind of the, you know, you don't have to worry so much about wasting money doing that. We had the script. It was about people that we knew. We wrote for certain characters. We had all the actors. We knew who was going to play all the parts. We told them that we had, we'd be filming in this month. We told the people who, the studio that we, we told them that was the only time the actors were free. 
And so we chanced it. You know, if one thing had gone wrong, the whole thing wouldn't have happened. But we just did all these things. We it all worked out. We had a great shoot. Uh, it went really well. Uh, you know, it came out the way we wanted it. I went to Cannes. All that. I mean, it was just a really great experience, and it's never been as easy again. You know, it's, it, I think it was like it was like heroin. It's never going to be. We're ch still chasing it. Yeah. So I think for two first-time filmmakers, you just never get that sort of the the confluence of all those things. So I just think of it as an entirely positive, almost unreal experience. I love it. Um, so the book is mm. called Baggage, Tales from a Fully Packed Life. And it is set, I believe, from 1984 to 2007. Is that 94. Uh, sorry. Uh, and you said it's sort of between your two marriages. So what was it? What is it about that specific time period in your life that made it the right you know, time for this, this story? Well, I meant it to come to, to the present day. To be honest, I thought, but I just kind of wrote so much. I thought, fuck, you know, so I've got all these years to go and I've not, you know, I, I, I've had so much to say about the, the years up until 2000. But it was basically, I thought, it came a point where I thought, oh, this book's taking a shape and it's not going to, you know, I'm not going to get to 2021. So I realized that a good bookend would be my two marriages, the end of my first one, the beginning of my second one. And how I changed in all that time, uh, obviously quite radically, because the first one's to a woman, the second one's to a man. And I just thought that would be a good structure for it. And I wanted to originally call it Scenes, scenes Between Two Marriages. But uh, everyone told me that Bergman jokes were not, didn't go down well with people in airports. <laughs> so uh, I didn't call it that. So I, I, but so that was really why. It wasn't on purpose. Uh, but then I felt, and, and actually, because I think, you know, my getting married the second time was a sort of a change in my sort of, I felt like I, I, I sort of reached a sort of plateau of being a bit more, less of a hot mess. And so the, and in a way what I wanted to, what I really wanted to say in this book is that after my last book that, or the last memoir rather, um, not my father's son, everyone was like, oh, Alan has triumphed, Alan has overcome, Alan has, you know, his trauma, his, you know, childhood abuse, blah, blah, blah. And actually I wanted to say, no, I haven't. I've just uh, managed it and I've talked about it and I, it's still there, you know, and everyone has baggage. Everyone has shit and everyone has, um, you know, t things that trigger them and that they, and so I wanted to just say, look, let's not, let's not be all cutesy about it. I still, these still, these things happen to me. I've not recovered or triumphed. I've just found a way to manage them in my life and they still come back and they still haunt me, but, I understand them more now. So I wanted to write a book to basically just say, for example, here's me making lots of other bad decisions in my life. <laughs> or, hmm. You know, here's me when being a hot mess at other times. Um, and so that's really, I, and I think talking about things, I really realized that from the talking about abuse in the first book, I realized how important it is when someone like me talks, but it's actually the, I guess the butterfly effect or, you know, so many people who, think oh he seems all successful and blah blah blah. he had this happen to him and, he, and the fact that i'm talking about it means they feel confident to discuss or be open or confront things in their lives and so in a funny way i wanted to say with this book it's also okay to be a hot mess and to sort of you know to think that you know get get on with your life but also don't pretend that these things haven't happened because they have and 
I still get triggered and I still, you know, have to, you know, the things that happened to me at a very young age are, are going to be, going to affect me for the rest of my life. Really major sort of weird shit happened from a parent, you know, a parent, the person who was supposed to be care for me and love me and who obviously didn't. And so that's, you never get over that. You just get better at living your life uh, with it. So that's really what I wanted to, to, to write the book for. And when you are still, you know, living with trauma and and the, you know, remnants of an abusive past, yeah. is I mean, I'm sure writing in itself is healing, but what are your other sort of modes of healing? Is it therapy? What does mm. it look like? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm in therapy. I've been in therapy forever. And yeah, definitely, you know, writing, uh, writing about, just writing in general actually is really great. But writing about your life and trying to make sense of your life and trying to make uh, a structure in your life is also interesting. And also even with this one, you know, what was interesting was there were some parts of my life I, I couldn't write about for various reasons. And that was also really interesting because I, I had to cut round things and actually, that's a really good thing to do because it makes you realize that things you thought were really big or important actually, in the big scheme of things, aren't. You know, you can actually talk about your whole life and you can talk about it without with missing bits out. And uh, so, yeah, writing, therapy, and also just like not being too hard on yourself. I think that's that's something I I, I keep saying is that, you know, it's, it's okay to be not okay. And uh, I get... I get sad sometimes, I get, you know, and I get triggered by certain things as well, definitely, I get triggered. Uh, and I, I talk about, you know, just in the book, I talk about a situation, you know, a movie that I did where it was, it was a very, a, ma a very sort of out of control man. And uh, that definitely was triggering for me, you know, and how, 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 how I dealt with that. And I still get, like, people, angry people, I either try, I mean, I don't try to fix them anymore. I just think they scare me. But obviously, they remind me of bad things. Um, how do you face the empty page? <laughs> I just, uh, you know, I usually do all this, look at, you know, play, look at the news, mm -hmm. do blah, 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 play solitaire on my phone, you know, all that, Google myself. Think, I mean, I do all those things that people do. It's sure. just, you know, it's just, I think it's also good. I mean, nobody, I mean, <sighs> I don't know any, I know lots of writers now. I don't know any of them. I, I, I think even just getting to the computer or your typewriter, whatever you do, getting to it and sitting down is, a, is, is good enough. Like some days I think, oh, I, I didn't really write anything. And actually during the pandemic, it's the first time I actually wrote, you know, I would always write in between things before. Like I'd, oh, I had four or five days, I'm gonna, I can go for a weekend here. Because I, it was actually a great thing, and I really enjoyed being like a proper writer. In that, that was what that was the job I was doing for the next many months. But some days I wouldn't write anything, and I would, I would still think, oh, I was writing today, and I think that's it. I was thinking, and I, or I was avoiding. I was, but something was happening, and yeah. I just, I just, again, I just think, you know, I don't want that thing where people say, so just write anything. I think, oh no, don't just write anything because it's a load of shit. What's the point of writing just because you know? You feel you've just got to put something on the page. Think about it. Just sit and think. And you don't want to, what the worst thing I think is like, when you think, okay, I'm going to write this. And you realize, you know, this is not actually that good, but I'm just keeping on with it because I feel I've got to. 
I don't think it's worth it. Just wait until you've got something to say. Yeah. You got to fill up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The tank needs to fill up. The tank needs to fill up. And sometimes you just need to, you know, look at porn or Google yourself for a while. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Ooh, I figured out what I'm going to be for Halloween. I'm going to wear like a t-shirt and jeans and a pair of shoes. And I'm going to hold a bottle of Miller Lite. And when people are like, what are you supposed to be? I'm going to go, I'm a Miller Lite drinker, a.k.a. myself. Because I love Miller Lite. Here's why. Since 1975, Miller Lite has been the beer with taste you can depend on. There are no games. There are no gimmicks. It is just a great beer for people who like beer. People like you and your friends, whether you're in person or not. No judgments. You can count on Miller Lite to bring you and your friends together for Miller time. Miller Lite, great taste, 96 calories. Go to MillerLite.com forward slash homophilia to find delivery options near you, or you can pick up some Miller Lite pretty much anywhere they sell beer. It's Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Oh, hey, everybody. It's me, Dave. Let's talk about me undies. Can we please? Me undies believes comfort is about more than what is touching your skin. It's about being comfy in your own skin. That is why they use sustainable, breathable, super soft fabric, and they give you endless styles to choose from. It's total comfort inside and out. I right now am wearing uh, a MeUndies lounge pant. Very soft, very comfy, very attractive, dare I say it. Also, I love a no-show sock. I like to create the illusion of not wearing socks, but here is the essential problem of the no-show sock. It's the sizing. They're either too small and they slide down your heel and get all caught up in your shoe, make it impossible to walk comfortably, or they're too big and they stick out the back of the sneaker and destroy the entire illusion. Nope, not the problem with me undies. Their no-show sock fits just right. I feel like Cinderella. Me undies also gives you classic colors or ridiculous prints. You can express yourself in your own unique way. MeUndies are available in a range of sizes from extra small to 4XL. And right now, they offer MeUndies membership, a monthly subscription that sends new pairs of undies right to your door. You get new undies or socks or a bralette. You pick the style and color or print that feels the most you. And you get discounted pricing, free shipping, exclusive early access to new launches. Be good to your butt and get the membership. Also, MeUndies has a great offer for homophilia listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you get 15% off and free shipping. They also have their problem-free philosophy. If you are not satisfied with any product for any reason, they will refund it. They will exchange it. No caveats, no questions, nothing but undie joy. To get 15% off of your first order and free shipping, go to MeUndies.com slash homophilia. That is MeUndies.com slash homophilia when you mentioned googling yourself do you uh, will you fall down the rabbit hole of reading what people are saying about you oh yeah i mean i think it's i mean i i think it's important it's important to me to understand how i'm perceived in the world and or what misinformation is out there about me you know and i i mean i think that's one of the great things about social media is that you have great control now over over your your narrative before like you know if there was some story in the newspapers that was wrong or sort of nasty or whatever you would have no recourse and if they, of course if you tried to do something about it they would say alan denies blah 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 and then the thing would come up again whereas now you can just 
say something on Instagram about it or just, or not, you know what I mean? Or you can just, if it's really, I think people have great power. People have much more power. And I remember there was something happened to me with a British newspaper and, you know, fairly in the last couple of years and it really pissed me off. And I was going to say something and then I thought, oh, I looked at their, you know, how many followers they've got and how many followers have I got. And I suddenly felt like very, I thought, I'm not going to, why would I do that? You know, how many people have actually seen this? How many people know me and know the real... So that sort of thing, but also in addition to that, and more importantly than that, I think my opinion of myself is is the most important thing. So I'm secure enough to look at what other people say about me. And also I go and see films and blah, blah, and plays. I don't like everything I see. I don't expect everyone to like what I do. So I don't feel bad when someone doesn't like something. I just think, oh, I see, interesting. If they're mean, you think, oh, fuck you, you know. But it's it really is tomorrow's chip paper, as we say, if we actually did still wrap chips in, in newspapers. Um, and so, and, I, and even like, you know, why I'm doing it is for me. I'm doing, I hope other people like what I do, but I do it for me first. So I actually think it's important to understand how your work is perceived and how you are perceived. So, and also, you know, this, I'm doing, I'm promoting a book right now. I'm, talking to you know it seems like any many many outlets and so i can't avoid seeing i'm not going to you know go into a into a cave and avoid everything mm. i'm i'm putting out that at least like on things like this i love that I'm, it's just me talking us chatting there's no editorializing you're not going to maybe you are maybe you go away and maybe the introduction you're saying i'm a little shit <laughs> but I, I i think it's actually you're able to have more of your own voice whereas you know when you do an interview yeah. with the newspaper still it feels a little you know you do these big sort of you have to spend hours with them and do a photo shoot and you know blah blah four page lala and a big probe and it's very much about someone's one person's opinion of you and you can be misinterpreted in that way you just have to let it go you know mm-hmm. i saw this opera last week called fire shut up in my bones it's the first ever opera at the met written by a black person written by Terence blanchard it's so great anyway there's many great things in it but one of the things that i the thing i will take away from it is that there's a theme it says sometimes you just got to leave things in the road and I think that it's, it's a bit sort of like let it go, you know, but actually leaving something in the road. You're not going to pretend, you're not brushing it away. You just have to, you just say, oh, there it is. It's in the road. I'm going to move on. Leave it. Yeah. You want to drive off. And I think that's a good sort of mantra. That is a good metaphor because yeah, you, uh, you know, you can't really drive over it, but you're going to have to drive around it and <laughs> you can't keep going. Yes. Yes. Hang on. My assistant's texting me. I'm just going to say, oh, yes. The, the, in this week, I've got a new phone. I got a new, you know, updated on my computer. Everything's different. Everything's yes. different. Ah, Just a tiny bit, but a, a, a significant I bit. I do like it. I don't, like, a, I don't know what this is about, all these three lenses. It's either 18 cameras on the back of it. They do take a beautiful picture. I love the cinematic thing. Ooh, the cinematic thing is the oh, game changer. The game changer. Like my complexion has never looked better. Someone actually oh commented God. on my complexion in a, in a video I posted the other day. And I didn't. I was going to say it was cinematic, but I didn't. No, no. Illusion. The illusion. I did want be. to ask you that that that, that uh, is a perfect segue into talking about aging because your Twitter bio is uh, a Scottish elf trapped in a middle-aged man's body, which is hilarious, but also does feel true to me like your 
elfin energy, your youthfulness to me feels so central to who you are. And of course you do look yes. ageless, which is the most important thing, but are you, <laughs> would you say that you're like actively fighting the aging process or, or where are you emotionally with that? Um, I don't feel I'm fighting it. I feel I'm, I mean, I do like, I slap my face every morning. My husband takes the piss out of me, but I, you know, I go like that, go like that, touch my face. I do things like that, you know, and that's to bring the blood to your face uh-huh. uh, and stuff like that. I mean, I guess that I, I, I sort of do it to wake up my face. It's not necessarily, but yeah, I exercise, I take vitamins. I do, I do those things. Um, I'm not trying to be 22. I'm trying to be fit and pleasant, you know? Um, I've never had Botox. I've never done things like that. I feel like I'm the only person on American television who hasn't had Botox. And I just don't want to. I don't. I just think it's awful when you see people whose faces look like they've been in a fire or they don't move. Uh, and and they're, 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 they're the one part of their body that's supposed to express the most and do their job the most, they've frozen. Um, I just... And it makes... I, I just... I can't... <laughs> I'm constantly going, oh my God, like at the, you know, television. Look at her, look at her face, look at her ears, things like that. That I do that a lot. Um, I just, uh, I, I can't leave that one in the road, it seems. But I, I don't, I would say I'm, I really like, my new show that I did, my concert show is called Alan Cumming is Not Acting His Age. And I talk about how these mixed messages we get about aging, about how you're told to stay young and do all these things and put all these potions and stick things in you. Yet at the same time, we're told to grow up or act your age or, you know, all that stuff. And I think it's just fascinating. Uh, who is it that decides? Who who decides what how you should be at a certain age, you know? I feel like I do things that are not age appropriate in terms of, like, you know, next year, I'm going to do a solo dance piece, for instance. I'll be 57. That's not normal um it doesn't mean i can't do it you know but it's i mean who decides and i think it's like i've made a virtue of or not a virtue but i've been someone who's never really adhered to those things i do what i like so sometimes i do something that seems like oh my gosh he's he's so old and yet he's doing blah you know like a solo dance piece but i just think well well who is it that what, what rules are we supposed to be following and I, and aren't they really about keeping us in our place? And also the other thing I think about aging is that we, in other cultures, other cultures value their elders or value the, even the process of getting older. And there are, you know, I really, there are many positive things about learning about, like I talk about in the book about wisdom to me seems to be about recognizing the patterns that keep repeating. That's wisdom. And then maybe this, the next time something happens, you'd make a better decision, <laughs> a better mm-hmm. choice people don't value that they just see we have made aging as the worst possible thing that can happen to us even something that is inexorable we have decided is the worst possible thing and i think that says a lot about ourselves that we that our culture sort of self uh actualizes a bad thing western culture or queer culture or both oh western culture i mean like you know i was in australia this year uh, queer culture of course we're very yeah. especially gay men culture were very youth body uh, centric. I was just in Australia though, and you know the, the um, Aboriginal people there, they're loved. Their elders are like you know treated with such 
Oh, and even in Scotland, I think, in the Gaelic culture, you know, in, in indigenous countries, it's interesting, those, both those indigenous cultures have a certain reverence for older people. Whereas, you know, you, you become invisible a bit uh, in, in the West or, or, you, or you have to do, you have to fall into line and stick needles in your face and do all this shit or you just become, you know, and I think that's the thing, especially in gay culture, that uh, <laughs> um, I remember, I'm just thinking of this thing that um, Dan Savage said about, his, he was talking to some young boy, young man, who said, oh God, I, I, I'm, I'm really dreading being 40. And he goes, why? He goes, because when you're gay and you're 40, you have to let, start letting people pee on you. <laughs> 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 it's true it's you have idea. no choice it was true yeah. you're just drenched just constantly drenched but drenched uh, this snow. idea that you know basically if you lose your youthful looks there's then you can only be you know the sort of a, sort of piggy party bottom i don't know right. there's some, it's very interesting to me all that stuff and i but i do notice how you become less visible in that it's a certain type of gay men culture. So I wouldn't say it's queer culture altogether. It's a certain right. type. That I feel it's sort of, well, maybe it's because I'm not partaking in it as, as much now, but that sort of like muscle boy sort of, you know, that kind of seems to be quite 90s. It's sort yeah. of like post AIDS yeah. when everyone was kind of trying to go, we're strong. We're not, you know, we're not weak. We're not diseased. We're not, and it's a very interesting psychological thing for a culture to change in that direction and show such, even though this, I remember I once had sex with a hugely muscle Mary person and it was, it was interesting. I could, I could pin him to the floor because the muscles, it wasn't strength. Right. It was sort of artifice. Yeah. And I, I was, I, I was kind of in, quite into the idea of this, you know, being overwhelmed by this, but and I thought, Oh God, you know, that's strong at all. <laughs> um, anyway, I think that uh, it was an interesting way that we developed our culture to sort of, as a thing against uh, against sort of this terrible blight that happened, but now I feel that's a little. I think I'm, I'm not really interested in that anymore. I'm much more interested in you know in terms of young queer people. I'm really fascinated by just the the fluidity and that's and and the style and the the you know they just they're not into all that stuff. Uh, they're not into showing off muscle necessarily. Or and and the, and, I, and neither am I. I think it's nice to be fit and all that stuff and feel feel good about yourself and feel sexy. But it's not so... I don't think we value... Maybe, maybe there's a sea change. What do you think? I, I, I think it is less terrifying to be in a gay space than it was in the Chelsea boy yeah. mid-90s when everyone had a Caesar haircut and, you know, shoulders and pecs and all that. And it was, you know, and it was uniform. And if you were one degree off of that, you were a beast. Uh, that was yeah. like, that was terrifying. Um, it's, it, you know, it's not, it's an inter interesting thing now because now, now we are beginning to have middle-aged gay men in a way that, you know, the generation ahead of us largely didn't move into that role. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. We, we didn't, you know, it's uh, there, no one has really modeled that, that role until kind of recently, you know, people didn't yeah. live openly and then they did and, and there was a plague and now it's, you know, now, now that role is sort of, people are moving into it, but it's, yeah. there's, um, uh, there haven't been a whole lot of models to follow. No, no, it isn't really interesting. And also I think, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, 
you know, you, 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 I, I do get that thing you're talking about, oh, sort of boyish, childlike, la la la. I get that, even though I'm 57, 56. Am I 56? 56. Uh, but also, I get like daddy, and, and I actually did a play a couple of years ago called Daddy, and I was the daddy, and like, uh, you know, Silver Fox and all that stuff. I think that's hilarious, that sort of um, how we, you know, different ways to be objectified. Yeah. It's, it's really right. interesting. And actually, in my book, you know, that thing I talk about when I came to do cabaret on Broadway, and I was objectified in a way that I'd never been before in my life. And it's interesting that just that can happen sometimes. That, you know, just people, just things happen, and you suddenly find yourself, people thinking you're a sex symbol, whatever that, you know. But 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 the, I think, excuse me, it's heartening to think that that different people at different times in their lives can be perceived as this these sort of sex uh sexual beings and i think actually uh you're right that we're we're getting into us into a place where we don't have such rigid definitions of what is sexy and I, and that i yeah. think is that's very interesting to me yeah i mean I, I was never were you were you a muscle boy no no <laughs> No, no, I've spent uh, my life no. trying to be and never fully succeeding. And I, I, I'd say I am, I am sort Matt of is plagued by some of those like right now. things internally. But it, interestingly, last night I went to the Hollywood Bowl and saw Cat Power, Garbage, and Alanis Morissette. And oh, wow. none of those are queer men, obviously, but they kind of are uh, spiritually. And they were all so um, just fully present in their ages you know something that could be seen as like a sort of a winky thing about like people from the 90s and look at how old we all, all are now but yeah, yeah. They, they were all yeah. so beautiful and they didn't they did not look like they did when the, you know in the 90s and they're not trying to um and it, something about it was just so thrilling you could you could oh, feel great. it in the crowd yeah they're all incredible and they're all just fucking rock stars better than ever yeah who was the first one cat power who's she i don't know who she, that is um you would know her she her, her, uh she's kind of a like uh, iconic 90s new york indie rocker but um her f uh, most famous song is called the greatest uh her real name's sean marshall and um oh right 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 yeah i think i know that one yeah but she's great strongly recommend uh how did you and your husband come together um, well, that's a question. Mm -hmm. uh, we, well, I mean, there's various, I'll tell you the, I'll tell you a short version of the long, real long story, because there's a long story and a short story. But basically, I met him because I was shagging his best friend. Mm. And that's how I actually met him, the person. And uh, actually, I met him in 2000, when I was with this other man uh, for a short love affair. He is also called Grant, <laughs> strangely, and they were best friends. They are best friends, and um, we. And then you know, uh, I wasn't with that other person, but I was still friends with him, other Grant, and so. And then it wasn't until two thousand and four that my Grant and I got together. So we and we we so we knew each other a little bit uh, over that time, and um, and we had a one night stand. So it's actually good. We knew each other. We're friends. We liked each other. We had a laugh. We had a one night stand in 2003. Uh, and on a crazy night where I had broken up with someone, went out 
with my broken up with this man, went out with the woman I was had used to be with to sort of drown my sorrows, ran into another person whose name I'd had tattooed on my body for a few months, and uh, then ended up uh, sleeping with my eventual husband. It was a big night. And, um, and then, so we had that. So I, before we actually started going out, we were friends and we'd had sex. You've so you done good. it all. I recommend it. Great. You've covered all the bases. Yeah. Cutting the essentials out of the way. It's very yeah, important. Yeah. And also, I talk about in my book about in, in. Have you ever been to? Well, I'm sure you have, but in Berlin, you know, in the, like I think in a way those. I, I talk about how I quite like the attitude in Germany and especially in Berlin of where you like have sex with someone, then you have a drink with them, and then you go out to dinner. Yeah, I actually think that's a really good way to do it. Yeah, I do too. And I also think it's a really good way to do it once you are dating. To just do yeah, you know, yes, to, in yes. that order. Yeah, oh, totally. it's a good order of things. I'm a mu- we have we have we we much more have sex in the mornings than than in, in the in the yes, rest of, in the evenings and everything. Yeah, is it? Yeah, <laughs> it's a sexier time. Yeah, and also it's like you know you're not tired or you're not drunk or you're not whatever. It's and it's just yeah. a, it's a bit more you're very more present. Yeah, it's more intimate. Yeah. More intimate. Yeah, yeah. I've not I've not been to Berlin, been to Mer- Berlin, but I've been to Berlin. Right. Yes. Like, yeah. Mentally, emotionally, I've been to Berlin. Have you been to Georgia and California? <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. I've sipped champagne on a yacht. Ellen. <laughs> Do you know what I love when she says when she says I've been to Nice on the Isle Isle of Greece. The you know, Isle of Greece. There's many islands in Greece, bitch. <laughs> and then there's another one. There's well, another she one doesn't she get, know. They didn't no. tell her. Uh, it wasn't safe for her to know. No, probably best not. I love yeah. her. I think she's hilarious. Oh. That, I have the whole album on vinyl, and it is, it's, it's... What's the name again? Charlene, isn't it? Charlene. Yeah. Charlene. Yeah. I remember that, and I love that little... That man who comes through the door, the man you oh. fought with this morning, the man you're going to make love to. That's love. That's life. I love it. As it uh, and the person that up. she's talking to has sprinted away by this point. Totally. Right? Or, or, he's, or he's through in the chair with a beard, like a sleep. <laughs> I think it's so good. It was just like, oh. imagine, imagine, you know, being in Scotland and not knowing anything about American culture. And then you hear that become, I mean, it was like a huge hit, that song. In, of course. In it was yeah. massive. Yeah. I just find it absolutely hilarious. It's, uh, it's pretty uh, true to American life, I think. Uh, yes. As someone born and raised here. <laughs> there's another so thing. I think there's another lyric life. that's weird in it as well. Oh, uh, it's nothing but. There's not a non-weird lyric in it. And it's one about a vicar that she says fucks a vicar. Oh or yeah, something, right? um, I uh, oh I've oh it's something about priest. like she had sex with a priest on the, the hand lawn. Of a preacher, man, preacher man, and we, and we made, made love, love in the, in the sun. sun. <laughs> in the sun, Alan. It's depraved. Like, did they have any sun lotion on? I'm worried. You know things like that. Absolutely. Really yeah, absolutely. You have to. It's <laughs> too risky. Oh, it's guess what risky. I'm going to do now. What? I'm going to, I did a film a few years ago called Any Day Now. It's directed by this great man called Travis Fine. And it was about a a gay couple. It was me and Garrett Dillahunt, who had tried to adopt this Down syndrome boy, who's such a darling boy called Isaac. Anyway, um, it was a really good film. I really liked it. Um, Quite a few years now. And uh, anyway, uh, Travis has made this other film called Two eyes, and it's about trans things, and it's, and I'm going to interview him and some of the cast, and it's about a thing in Native American culture where people where they say you have two eyes, you have one eye that's a man, one eye that's a woman, and um and it's sort of and it's, and it's, there's got three different stories in different times, 
and it's a lot about transness and a lot of bit about a lot about sort of you know the way that some cultures, as I'm saying about aging, some cultures uh, are totally fine about transness and understand it. And, and, and apparently, in Native American cultures, there's five five um, different five different types of sexuality. Uh, I think um, or five six. I can't remember, but it's much more sort of you know a bigger spectrum. And and again, trans people are much more respected. So it's, I'm going to talk to them about it because it's also interesting that they've decided not to just, it's a beautiful film, and not to just give it to like a streamer and do a dump and that's it. They're actually going to try and send it out to lots of, you know, um, LGBTQ organisations and do it in a grassroots way, which I think is also really interesting. So I'm going to go and talk to them. I'm really looking forward to Kate Bornstein's in it. Mm, And yeah, and there's all these different people, really interesting people. It's such a good film. Uh, So... Uh, yeah, look out for that. It's called Two Eyes, ladies and gentlemen. Two Can't wait to I've see got it. to go to a studio now and interview them, and I'm sorry that go, I go, 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 no, 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 Alan. Thank you for taking thank the time. Thank you so, so much. Truly appreciate it. Homophilia is a World of Wonder production, produced and edited by Kate Moldenhauer. Special thanks to Randy Barbato, Fenton Bailey, Stephen Sims, Edward Bochniak, and the whole team at World of Wonder. We love you. And theme music by my Ben Wise. Yes, uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HomophiliaPod. You can give us a five-star review uh, on Apple Podcasts. Mm. Thank you for listening. We love you. 